Mr. Krabs falls in love with Mrs. Puff. Oh, I love that episode. <laughs> and then when SpongeBob just cusses at him. Wait! Oh, Mr. like, Wait! Don't tell me! You want me to run to the store and buy Mrs. Puff something she doesn't need so I can run back here and give it to you and you'll be like, Yarr, SpongeBob! You're spending all my money! <laughs> Why do I talk to you podcast? This is all Starship 4. This is Dave Gamer Dave. Maple. And welcome to... <laughs> un- how much that threw you off. It's, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's consistency. Yeah, right? you know. <laughs> um, welcome back to another uh, uh, music-themed episode of W. Diddy. Um, we, uh, a couple of months ago, I guess, we did our our, uh, our top video game music top five with one miscellaneous pick. Um, and we had a lot of fun doing it. Of, of course, you know, we love doing video game music and we love to talk everybody's ear off about video game music as well. And so we then we thought like, OK, so how can we expand on this? Are we doing like a sequel or are we going to like branch off into different ideas? Yeah, and start so start doing like the top 10 or like bottom five. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave came up with the idea of, of well, I think I came up or both of us came up with the idea of top uh, five Nobuo Uematsu ones. Um, in particular, and then Dave also came up with the idea of top Western-composed uh, video game songs, which is really interesting because uh, I think when it came to our top list in general, there was definitely an over—not over, but like an abundance of Japanese. That's just composers. how it is. Yeah, it's just how it is. That's you just know? how music composing is because most video games are from Japanese companies, mm-hmm. and so yeah, especially. Console games. Yeah. PC games are a little bit more Western, but especially console games. Right. And so uh, it was it was kind of a challenge for me um, to, to find <laughs> all the games that were that were specifically Western creations um, and also to find like the songs that I really liked about it. Dave, I think, had a little bit less trouble than I did. Yeah. Um, but in the end, our lists are, are still a little bit similar. We, we, have, we have some similarities between our lists, but, you know. Even still, I, I feel Not like my even, yeah. I feel like my list has is more based on because it reminds me of being a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave's I think has a little bit more deeper meanings to it, um, but uh, but we'll see, we'll see. Maybe I'll have like a million and one things to say about my number three pick or something like that. Who knows? Maybe I forget what your number. Th- oh right, that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot it was for a second. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna structure this in the way that we did in the last one. Uh, we'll we'll give like maybe like a little brief intro about it and, and tell us tell you what it is. We'll play a little bit of it for you, and then we'll we'll bring it down a little bit just to. No, um, we'll get copyright struck. It'll be great. Which Good we times, did. So. We did. We actually got <laughs> our first copyright hit um, on yeah. our first uh, VGM video. Which it was just like this video can't be viewed in Japan now. It's like Aww. all right <laughs> for all, all our Japanese listeners. All our ja- we don't even have Japanese fan. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> we have zip. Yeah, and I said we can't monetize them. We're like, well, well, you took that away from us a long time ago. I YouTube. mean, that was never going to be an issue to begin with. It might have been if they hadn't changed the monetization structure. Not, let's be real. Not really. Over time, it would have eventually. <laughs> but now it's just we're doomed. Mm -hmm. YouTube drama with <laughs> W Diddy. Mm. You ever, you, you people, dear YouTube. Anyway. Okay, so, um, so yeah, structured in the same way. We're also going to, this is going to be actually top six. Uh, since we gave six choices in the last one, uh, we figured we may as well just keep going yeah. uh, with it. Uh, the, you now know, we're different. Now we're not just a generic top five. We're one better. No, we're not. You know, <laughs> Nostalgia Critic always does Dang top it. 11s, and he always like, why top 11? Because I like to go one step beyond. Exactly. That that's us, too. No, that's not how we... <laughs> Thanks, Nostalgia Critic. You get us. <laughs> so anyways, um, we're going we're gonna to just start with our number six one, and this time I'm going to go first. Um, yeah, this time I'm going to go first. Why not? <laughs> because, well, why not? Um, so... You ready, Dave? I'm ready. All right. All righty. So, like I said, um, it, was, it was a little bit harder for me to come up with, you know, pretty much all the video game music that I that I love, that I hold near and dear, are from Japanese composers. But there are a couple of exceptions uh, from Western studios and Western composers. And the first one for me, uh, number six, is going to come from uh, one of my absolute favorite PS1 games of all time. This is from Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Back. And um, there's no real name uh, to this uh, to this uh, song. It's just the, the music that you hear whenever you have a snow level. So we'll just go ahead and call this snow level. Yeah, man, it's like you—you you don't even—I didn't need to say at all. This is from a Crash game, and you would know this is from Crash Bandicoot. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Uh, so Crash Bandicoot um, was like one of the few games that I got right upon my uh, right upon my receiving a PS One, Crash Two in particular. Um, I love it. I love the platforming in that game. Uh, the Insane Trilogy did a decent job, but much like all the other criticism that, that was said about that trilogy, it is definitely different enough. Um, but but I still liked it, the Insane Trilogy. But regardless, um, Crash 2 um, and these PS1 games really gives me that sense of, uh, oh, I don't know. Since, since Crash is like a, is a solitary game, there's no way you can do that two players and whatnot. I spent a lot of time just playing it at home by my own dang self or like late at night when my parents already went to sleep so I didn't, you know, so that my dad couldn't watch his footballs or whatever. And I just I would just play it with like the glow of the TV. Um and and it just reminds me a lot of just like of summer. You know, a lot of these are gonna feel that way. But just like being off from school, finally getting the time just to game like without any like guilt what's attached to it you know yeah, what i mean like something else you need to be doing right right gosh lord i miss those times <laughs> um and uh and but there's something about this level and the snow levels and, and the song that comes with it that just it really brings me back there uh, like like i said the orchestration quote unquote of the crash games the first three crash games is so unique it's you really know, all over the place it really is like it, it always has like that like xylophone like behind it um it, and the melodies are, are weird like 
uh, they're, they're kooky, you know? Like, I think that's the only way I can say it. They're, they're like kooky melodies and so unique to Crash only. Uh, this was made by Josh Mansell. I'm not really sure of what else this guy has done, um, but, like, this is his claim to fame, is doing the, the first three Crash games. And, like, yeah, man, it's, it's so distinct. Um, there's something even relaxing about it. I will say that um, there's a there's another there's two other renditions of this song. There's a, for the bonus levels, which is kind of like this, but it's a little more reduced and a little more like calmer, I guess. Mm. But then there's like the crazier ones um, uh, that I remember losing way too many lives on. So whenever well, I heard, it was like when you're getting chased by the big polar bear. No, or? that's a different level in, in general entirely. Okay. Um, there like a skull and crossbones platform. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know you know about that. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so um, uh, the music would be different there. It'd be a more, like, frantic and more, like, you know, stressful uh, rendition of this song. So whenever yeah. I could just hear this one again, hear, it was... Whoa, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. I've lost so many lives in the these levels. The meme. Hooray. Yay. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. And not that I have like the deepest connection to it, but, you know, it does bring me back to my old home growing up and just like, you know... Just it's just right, and it makes me feel makes me feel good. Yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah. All right, my turn. Yep. Okay, so my number six is from a very well-known Western composer. I actually kind of put it in here because I felt bad that I couldn't put him like in the top five, <laughs> like because I really like all of his work. But the thing about him is like. What I like about his soundtracks are just how every level feels so charming and feels so, I don't know, welcoming. Um, but I had to choose one, so I just chose probably the most, I don't know, one of the most well-known songs from the game. And it's from Banjo-Kazooie, and it's Spiral Mountain by Grant Kirkhope. This song in particular is like that important to me, but I think maybe John Tron said it best in one of his Banjo Kazooie reviews. Is when you hear that song again, it's like you're with an old friend again, you know? <laughs> a little spiral mountain. Mountains, Mountains can't, can't be, be friends. friends. <laughs> but that's kind of what it is. It's just such a nice opening to this uh, game that's really a masterpiece. I kind of just want to use this time to gush about Banjo Kazooie and how good that game is just as a 3D platformer and how it did basically everything right. So I'm going to try to control myself. But the thing about the soundtrack is you're this could have been this could have been like almost any song from this game is the thing like i thought about putting in like clanker's cavern and like blubble gloop swamp or even uh even rusty bucket bay was like just on the cutting room floor and the funny thing is the last time i went through and played this game i was like oh banjo kazooie let's just do this and whenever i play banjo kazooie i have to complete it 100 percent because it's just so darn fun to do and it's just so it lends itself so much to that and so i was playing through and then i was like Oh, man. Like, this is the weird thing about this game. I was thinking about the other day. I was like, this game is like the anti-Kingdom Hearts. Because when you go back and play Kingdom Hearts, you're like, oh, yeah, Kingdom Hearts is really fun. Like, oh, but there were those oh, parts. Oh, I gotta do this level. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I'm gonna do oh, this level. Oh, I gotta level. do this world. And so the thing... Monstro. <laughs> 
all the platforming is just bad. Ugh. And like you remember it being bad, but you're like, but it, I had so much fun, so it can't be that bad. And then you get back to it's like, oh my god, <laughs> it is just that bad. With Banjo Kazooie, I was like, oh, but I might have to do like Clanker's Cavern. That's like a water level. That's gonna suck. And then I like, I was like, oh. Wait a minute, this level this level's really fun too. Like wow, I actually like this water level. I'm like, uh, but then we gotta do Rusty Bucket Bay, where like you go in the water and you lose air twice as fast. It's just kinda suck and all the jiggies are hard there, and then you get there and like, oh wait, that was that was really fun. Like that was an awesome level, like wow. So even like the stuff where you're like kind of dreading, it's still fun. And I think so much of that has to do with the music. And Saul brought up a good point where like this is kind of back in the day where like the composers were sort of also their own sound designers. Yeah. So all these sort of sounds are so Grant Kirkhope. And like in all the stuff he's done since then, like um, I'm playing Mario and Rabbids right now, which he also composed the music for. Mm. It's just it's just so Grant Kirkhope. <laughs> it's just all so happy and bouncy and just like joyful and just like, yeah, all right. Can have a good time. You just can't, you can't help but like bounce and like dance a little bit as you like listen to it. You know, <laughs> it's so funny that a guy that from from what we can tell gets his jollies off of dig, taking digs on other people makes just such light and like bouncy, happy music. Yeah, yeah. It is funny. Like, Grant Kirkup was such an industry. Grant Kirkup was one of those guys who's really sort of leveraged his, like, popularity in the 90s into once again sort of being in the public eye, you know? Like, stemming from the fact that he, like, got chummy with the Game Grumps and John Dron and the Completionists and stuff. Like, and he does, like, sort of his own YouTube promotion. Like, I remember when he did, like, the... He played the... I think it was this song, right? On, like, a kazoo and banjo. Oh, yeah, to, to, like, to, uh, to promote ukulele. Yeah, to promote ukulele. He played it on a, uku on a ukulele. Oh, he played. Oh, that's and, right. He played kazoo, on you. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. So yeah, he's just kind of out there, and he just seems like a super chill guy. He's if you ever like want to hear Grant Kirkhope just being ridiculous, you could just go back and look up when he guest starred on the Game Grumps, oh and goodness. it's an absolutely like it's not family. Warning. It's not family friendly. No, but not my at goodness. all. But man, is he just a funny dude? <laughs> <laughs> like you could totally see yourself just like chilling and like having a beer with them or something. It's so crazy how well he meshed with them so quickly. These two dudes that are like half his age, yeah, and like and from they're straight up, you know, Yanks, and he's a Brit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just some dude who lives in Southern California now and just composes all, and he composes just like games from like every end of the spectrum, like Mario and Rabbids and like Ukulele, and then like Kingdoms of Amalur, which is like a hardcore RPG, and then like. Cityville too, like <laughs> <laughs> you know why not? But he's a great composer, and Banjo Kazooie did so many interesting things with his music, like shifting, uh, like the sound effects, the instrumentation when you'd go underwater or going into certain rooms. And in this song, I love how he uses the instrumentation. Now he sort of passes the melody along from like the banjo to the clarinet to the flute to like the xylophone. It just kind of goes all over the place and. He always does really interesting things with his chord structures, I think. Um, and when he's sort of talked about the game, he said a lot of the music, this was in that episode of Game Comes, actually, where he talked about um, how he, like, sort of based a lot of things around a tritone, which is, like, sort of a no-no in, like, traditional music, it's, you know? Uh, it, um, tritones back in the day... Um, used to be forbidden because it was so <laughs> dissonant that they literally thought it was of the devil. Um, so it's got it's sort of a running joke amongst like like music students that you know the tritone is the forbidden interval. Yeah, uh, it's an augmented fourth, so it's like from C to F sharp. Mm -hmm. um, but like 
you know, The Simpsons uses that. And the Simpsons, that first little interval there is a tritone. Oh, so it's, it's used everywhere still. But like, yeah. it, it does have that like that little fuddy stigma to it, you know? Yeah. But he, he decided to use that a lot because there's sort of this intentional dissonance between the characters of Banjo and Kazooie. And there's just really little interesting things like that. So I think he's a great composer. I love all his stuff. And I wanted to do him justice by doing a shout out here. So there you go. I love Grant Kirkhope's music. There you go, Grant, because I'm sure you're listening. <laughs> If there's any one person who we ever talk about it, about any video game or movie ever who has any sort of chance of ever listening to anything <laughs> we do, it is Grant Kirkhope. Oh my goodness! Even if that is a point zero 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 one percent. Yeah, that goes to show how low our chances are for anything. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> for anything in life, really. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay, sure. <laughs> okay. So uh, now we're up to number five, starting again with me. Um, this pick was a bit of a late entry, but it had to be in here. Um, Dave is actually a little bewildered why it's on here at all. Um, this is a game that I've this is a game that I've only been able to play because of emulators. I didn't really know it existed until the the freaking angry video game nerd. Yeah, this is kind of an ABGN classic yeah. episode. Um, however, um, when you hear it, you you will probably you might agree with me. I don't know. This is on the title screen for the NES non classic because it is known as a horrible game. Silver Surfer. So, um, you picked the weirdest songs. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What's next? Muppet Monster Bash? Hey. <laughs> Why are you making fun of me for that one still? Because it's funny. I like that song. And I like this song. Dang it. That totally probably could have been on here if I didn't yeah, know you know. pick it. <laughs> so, um, like I said, this is from the NES non classic. Uh, Silver Surfer. It's a it's a um, it's a shmup. It's a shoot 'em up um, that is a, that is almost way too hard to function as like a good game um, or as a game. Period. Yeah. Um, not you know not the worst of which sins, but I do think it is a huge sin for a shmup that um, you don't just have an auto fire button uh, and you have to just like mash and mash and mash and mash and mash the button to keep shooting. And there's never a moment in any shmup where you shouldn't be shooting. Yeah, basically. Um, so that's a huge sin right there and that that does destroy the game unless you have a turbo button but the music um is like on a completely different level i mean we're listening to it right now it is this was back in like the 1990s like towards like the tail it end was of the, actually 1990 yeah uh the, the tail end of the nes's lifespan so you can tell that the the technical achievement of the chiptunes here is like on a different level than say like mario right yeah um but it's that's what I love about it. The complexity behind it is like an achievement. Even just like the beginning like portion of this title screen thing here. I mean, like name another game that ever comes close to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which in my mind might just be like Kirby's Adventure. Um, this this whole soundtrack is uh, uh, like more complex than Kirby's Adventure. And I spent a lot of time singing that that game's praises in the in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. um, the 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 number of layers that's in here, the number of different sounds 
worlds that complement each other in these layers and the number of different things that these layers will do like swells in and out um just like random little trill thingies um the even like the catchy bass lines um, or even just like the sound effects, like in the beginning, just like, you know, it's like the way that it like modulates like that is, is done so, so well. Well, we can almost listen to this, you know, to somebody who doesn't know what Silver Surfer is and just be like, is this like Jay Kaufman or something? Like, like what, like what game is this from? We'll be like, it's from a, it's from an NES game. I'd be like, no way. You know what I mean? Like. If I didn't know about it, I would think it's like a hidden track from like Shovel Knight or something like that. You something know I mean? that wasn't like a retro classic game yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Something that like wasn't done using actual like chiptune generators, but yeah. like with like a computer instead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Good, my goodness gracious! Like it, the the complexity of it is what is what does me in. Like how complex this is, and it was all still on just one NES cartridge on a really unfortunate game. Um, <laughs> it is this soundtrack is like regarded like amongst other like you know chiptune aficionados, if you call myself one, um, as like. You know, but then there's Silver Surfer. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, that that is a known known choice. Again, attached to it, a, a very unfortunate game, um, but it is still like a, a shining beacon in the world of like chip tunes. It's it's really strange, and again, just unfortunate. It has to be attached to to this game right here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I can't ignore that really. I just cannot. The, the composers of it, I guess brothers or somehow related Tim Folan and Jeff Folan. Yeah. I think they were brothers based on my research. I'm not really sure uh, if they've done anything else of like, you know, I mean, based on just like very cursory, basically reading the YouTube comments of the video you linked me, it sounds like they're basically just revered for this track and specifically for working within the limitations of eight bit and the NES specifically. Yeah. You know? But people seem to, like, know their names. So at the very least, as you said, maybe the chiptune aficionados really look up to these two guys as, like, the guys. Yeah, they really are the guys. My goodness. <laughs> I, I just wonder, like, you know, if they if they had ever had an opportunity. If this game was actually good, you know, <laughs> what else could they have could they have offered what us? What studio you know? made this game? Uh, it's a studio Should called have... Arcadia Systems. Okay. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do a cursory search right now. That should probably say something that yeah, I can't we find hardly anything. Knew ye. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah. Well, rest in peace, brothers. <laughs> but you did a good once. <laughs> but, but you did a good. <laughs> All right, my turn? Mm-hmm. All right, so the next one is a game that will definitely be on the list later as well, on Saul's list. Mm-hmm. Um, and we already mentioned the name of the composer, Jake Kaufman, who is... Jake Kaufman's really interesting because I remember back, like, way back in the day when I was, like, just finding video game remixes online, uh, he was known as Vert. And he still sort of is known as Vert, but he was just, like, a dude in, like, the video game remixing community. And I remember specifically he did, like, basically my favorite remix on the remix album for Earthbound. Um, And there's actually this weird controversy between him and the guy who, like, started OC Remix. Like, I guess they really don't like each other. (laughs) But that's kind of neither here or there. He sort of had a revival. He worked primarily for the company uh, WayForward doing games like um, Shantae, if you've ever heard of that series, or uh, Switch Force. He did the music for both those games. And I think both those games are great. But let's be real. The game that everyone really knows him for now is Shovel Knight. And 
my pick from that fantastic game was Strike the Earth, which is the song from the very first stage, Planes of Passage. is fantastic mm -hmm. just generally speaking um like i said jay common have been doing stuff before and i actually really like his work on shantae and the pirate's curse uh Saul isn't super impressed by it but i like it but there's no question that when jay coffin is working with these 8-bit sounds it sounds like it feels like he's just exactly in his element yeah when you hear some of the stories of how he just composed some of these just sort of on a whim in front of an audience and you're like in like half an hour or whatever you're just like what the crap that's like a masterpiece of like bit sounds like you know and it's just like oh, i just threw that one together it's like it's one of literally the best like 8-bit chiptune style songs i've ever heard and that's like the entire album like i easily could have chosen like almost any stage in this game except for the ones who are written by not jake kaufman <laughs> <laughs> but uh this one I don't know, like, there's something about, especially in platformers, that music to the opening stage, right? The example that always sticks in my mind is, like, Sonic games. Sonic games always have, like, fantastic music on the opening stages. Whether you're talking about Green Hill Zone from the original Sonic, uh, City Escape from Sonic Adventure 2. <sighs> <laughs> I forget what it's even called, but, like, the Mushroom Zone from, like, uh, Sonic and Knuckles. Like... All of those are so good and they just set the tone for like what the rest of the game is gonna be and that's like perfectly what he does here in this game it's just got this like driving beat constantly through it which is and it just pushes you all the way from the front to the back it's like you pick up this game and you're playing the first level and you know exactly what you're in for man you're in for some exciting like awesome hardcore platforming and it's some great. shovel action some shovel action steal thy shovel <laughs> And it's just great. It puts you in exactly the frame of mind where you're like, yeah, let's do this. And you just go through and you shovel some bad guy butt. And it's <laughs> great. And yeah, I just think it is really interesting when you look back at especially 2D platformers and how much care and attention goes into the first level. Like how much you really need to teach the player and like get them into the mindset for your game, you know? I think everyone's heard, if you're into like video games at all, you've heard some kind of analysis of the opening level for Mega Man X, probably from Ego Raptor. Um, people have talked about the opening level for the original Sonic the Hedgehog and how much that teaches you, and I feel like there's so many games that do that. Um, and Shovel Knight's one of them where they have to teach you, like, here's the bounce mechanic, here's the dig mechanic, here's a jump, here's an enemy, and without ever giving you a tutorial or stopping the screen to be like, oh, Shovel Knight, look out. And it's just <laughs> like, no, you just go, and you just play, and you have this awesome music pumping you up. It's great. Like, this whole soundtrack is just one of the best, like, pump-up soundtracks you're going to find in, like, video games, for sure. Mm -hmm. Easy. Mm. So, yep. Yeah. You don't have any. I figured you might have something to say about it since you love this game about as much as I do. Well, I mean, I, I agree. Just trying with, to save it. Well, I agree with everything you say. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, the comments that I have for my upcoming spoilers is is uh, more specific to that song itself. But like, of course, I agree with you. I I picture the level 
exactly like when I hear this song. You know what I mean? Yeah. I see like the foresty sort of like area. I see that like mini boss that you have to fight. The, like dragon. The bubble dragon or yeah. whatever, you know, and um, I hear, you know, uh, Black Knight's l- uh, laugh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on, on everything on that. It, it's very energetic. It's very pumpy. Um, and uh, there's something about the melody that's also pretty unique, too. Just like, you know, it begins out pretty nice already. You know, and then it has that like lead line that comes out. There's something interesting about that that I really like. You know, that that's yeah. what makes it super catchy, especially since it doesn't come out right away. It comes out like midway through it. Yeah. Um, and then, even, and then even that develops. You know, like it does that whole thing right yeah, there. Yeah, it you plays know? with the offbeats a lot, which is just so cool. Mm-hmm. And just so, like, it's awesome. It's very full. Uh, Jay yeah. Coffin doesn't leave any, like, empty space when it comes to these, like, these these looping uh, tracks. There's, like, yeah. no empty space whatsoever, which I find really awesome when it comes to chip tunes. It's perfect for this kind of music, right? Mm-hmm. Like, some music you just need, like, a break and, like, a rest between things, but chip tunes, it's just like, nah, man, just go. Yeah, just and, fill it up. And man. in order to do that, he, like, he has layer upon layer upon layer. Like, if you listen to this or any of the other tracks from Shovel Knight and just try to break apart each of the layers, you, you, you find just complexity all the way down and just, like, well-thought-out complexity at that, you know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's great. All right. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna dial down a little bit here with my number four pick. Um, Dave was very interested into why I chose this as my number four, and I told him it's not a very good explanation. <laughs> so this is uh this is by the great David Wise, um, from uh, Donkey Kong Country number one, not not any other ones, but number one. <laughs> and uh, you know it might be easy to pick you know uh, aquatic ambiance. Or uh, or the DK Island swing, but no, I decided to go with the overworld music known as Simeon Segway. So, I mean, even I know this is a this is an odd choice. Um, I mean, uh, I like this song. Sure, sure but, but it's like it, it wouldn't normally end up on people's lists, right? No. I mean, like it's overworld music. You don't really, you don't usually pick, you know. Yeah. I mean, this song is better than that. I think. Like this whole soundtrack is fantastic. Yeah, right? yeah. So basically, in a very weird way, this song pumps me up um this song very much gets me excited to play donkey kong um this goes back into a time in my life where virtually nobody i knew had an had an snes Uh, i had like a neighbor that had an snes and that's about it and she also happened to have donkey kong country one um and you know back in those days i would want to get to the game as soon as possible so i'm just mashing a over and over and over and over again so i can get to the level quicker and as soon as i heard you know that was like i've made it like now i'm like in the game (laughs) and like um now it's just like okay now i just gotta pick the level and yada yada but still that music is just like 
and you know you hear that music all the time whenever you go back to the to the main stage and whatnot whenever you go back to the overworld like that song is with you from the beginning of the game till the very end of the game yeah um it doesn't change um and it's it's pretty relaxing you know like unlike the unlike the the overworld or like map type map screen i guess you can call it uh for dkc2 which is awesome in its own right but it's also kind of tense and stressful too you know what i mean yeah. uh this one is just it is the definition of chill and it is probably the only like chill song in the whole soundtrack like you can say aquatic ambience is is chill yeah, but i would it's, absolutely say it was well what you're it, talking about <laughs> well like it is but it also isn't because like when I listen, when I hear that, I'm also getting chased by croctopuses, or I'm also in a poison pond, or I'm also, you, you know what I mean? It's like, so funny because we'll get to this later, but like, it's so interesting to me that like you're so I don't know unable, unwilling to like separate the music from the gameplay. Like, obviously, it is all connected, and so it's connected in your mind. But like, when I hear Aquatic Ambiance or Sticker Brush Symphony, like I still feel relaxed, even though those levels are some of the hardest in those games. Like, I feel like that's exactly why they're there is to, like, calm you down when you're <laughs> dying all the time, you know? Like, it's okay. Listen to this chill chat. Yeah, it's just right. It's just right. right. Like, that's that's what they're there for, kind of, you know? So Yeah, I guess. And so, I, I don't know. I appreciate them more for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, like, I can't separate them from the level because they're intertwined with the level. Like, they weren't. They weren't meant to go with anything else other than being with the level. You know what I mean? Meant to go with your ear holes, man. Just appreciate the music. They were meant to go with a level. <laughs> yes, they're meant to go in your ear holes, you dink. But in the end, they were meant to coincide with the level. And so that's just why I always associate it as such. Huh. Um, yeah, this this song just always just sort of makes me, this makes me feel like I have a SNES controller in my hand. This makes me feel like a kid again as i've said on some of these already like i don't know it, it it pumps me up to to start playing some dkc you know what i mean yeah yes uh dk island swing is a great 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 tune and everybody associates dk with that one as well do you know the story behind that one it was like a demo right yeah it was like his demo it was actually like three different songs that yeah. he like showed them as a demo and they liked it so much like let's just make that the first level <laughs> which I'll be honest, kind of, that's the one thing about that song that does bug me a little, is that it does feel very disjointed. Yeah, how it just like... Yeah. Like, it's cool, but... I don't know. Then I kind of miss whatever came before because this yeah. has nothing to do with it. Donkey Kong Country Returns sort of fixes that too. Yeah, and not to say anything, not to like talk down on it, but that's like the one thing that even back then I was like, it's kind of weird that the song kind of goes so all over the place. Yeah, you know? I, I feel you there. Yeah, but but yeah, uh, it was a weird pick because I I was initially going to do uh, DK Island Swing also as my choice here. I knew DKC was going to end up on there at some point. Um, David Wise is just too good. Yeah, He's just um, really I good. just had to pick which one it was, and yeah, Island Swing was on there first. But then I was like, it was because of that. I was like, yeah, but it changes so much. I only like it when you know it does the main part. You yeah. know, <laughs> um, so it's. Uh, I mean, it's not that I only like it, but like that's the part you want. Yeah, uh, that's the best part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, well, you know, in that case, I need, I'm going to go with something else. You know, and I'm and I'm 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 happy with my pick. It, it's still. That gives me joy when I hear, you know, just the beginning. Because even after I've just like died a lot and I have died a lot in this game, it'll still come back to, you know, and that's not even a taunting way. Although sometimes stuff like that can seem like it's just sort of taunting you and you want to go again. Yes. And then you die. Want to go again. Of course. 
and so on. So yeah, that's my number four. Well, all right then. Uh, So my number four is, I don't really know what kind of preamble I can give to it, but it's basically like a a chiptune-style rock track from the fantastic game Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and by Anamanaguchi, and it's called Rock Club. Developers could not have made a better decision. Yeah. In, in choosing Automataguchi just to make all of the music for this not very long game. But yeah. Like, yeah. They could not have made a better decision. I mean, it's perfect for Scott Pilgrim, right? Scott Pilgrim does so much from video games, and like when you think video game music, probably the first thing your average person like pops in their mind is like chip tunes, right? Yeah. And so, but it's also all about music and this like rock band. So what do you do? Well, you go out and get this band that is a rock band and a chip tune band. And <laughs> they're, they're like, composed. well, that's just impossible. <laughs> and then somebody's all like, no, guys, I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> so Anamana Gucci is, uh, they're a chip tune rock band from New York, I think. Um, and they were asked to do the music of this game. Uh, this song is probably also voted most likely to get us copyright struck again. <laughs> but, you know, here we are. Uh, it's too good not to put on here, really. I, I love the music for this game. I almost went with Another Winter, which is the oh, first song in the game. Oh, that's my favorite. That's a great song, and it, it goes right back to it's the first song in this, like, old-school style game. Not a platformer, it's a beat-em-up with RPG elements, but... Which, again, was a perfect decision for the game design as a whole, relating to Scott Pilgrim. But, you know, it's great. I would never talk down another winter, but this song is just always the one I go to just get really pumped. I just think it has a really interesting melody and a really interesting, I don't know, structure to it. Um, I get, it's from the uh, level before you fight Todd Ingram, a.k.a. Evil X number three, when you're at the Rocket, basically, <laughs> uh, which is why it's called Rock Club. But... Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about it other than Automataguchi's fantastic and the decision to attach them to this game and to this soundtrack was was brilliant. You know what I mean? When you're uh, you know speaking to the audience or Jeremy, uh, when you're yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> when you're into uh, as much VGM as, as Dave and I are, you eventually know who Automataguchi is and you eventually really really love them. Like they do what they do extremely well. Um, I first heard of them through Keith Apicary, uh, YouTube personality or oh, internet personality. Yeah. And he like went to a, an Anamanaguchi show and like did like a cover up on them. At first, I had no idea who they were. Mm-hmm. I had known other bands. There is a small subset of, of metal called Nintendo Core. Um, is that what this would be classified as? Not really, because it's not really metal. It's still just like rock. Okay. Uh, Nintendo Core is is metal. Um, the one band I know of is called Horse the Band. Okay. And they do have like Nintendo elements like in their games and what. And I'm sorry, in their music. Um, but Anamanaguchi is just like completely transcending whatever Horse <laughs> the Band does as far as the Nintendo sounds go. It's it's amazing. Like they have like the the chip or the sound card or whatever like on stage with them when they're performing right oh, yeah like yeah they, they, they have it they have it looped into their synthesizer so that it's like the genuine sounds yeah it's pretty crazy pretty cool stuff mm-hmm. but um you remember, you remember vincent right 
Yeah. He he went to a concert with these guys once, and the only reason I know that is because one day I saw him and he like had broke his arm, and I was like, dude, what happened? He's like, I went to an Anmani Gucci concert and I like <laughs> fell down while I was rocking too hard or something <laughs> like that. He had like a broken arm for like a month and a half, something like that. <laughs> Worth it. Worth. But I was always jealous. That seems like it'd be an awesome. Awesome group to go see. Oh, yeah, because, like, you know what everybody is there for. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what everybody is there, like, what their proclivities are. Too, yeah, their other I mean? albums are really good, too. Like, just in what I've heard of their other albums, like, mm-hmm. really good stuff. So go check them out if mm-hmm. you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. I also go play Scott Pilgrim the game. <laughs> yeah. It was also fantastic. Do, do that, do that too. Do that out. Then go watch Scott Pilgrim the movie. Then go read Scott Pilgrim the books. Just, just Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> just Scott Pilgrim. Caught there and Scott Pilgrim it up. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. <sighs> Alrighty, Scott now, Pilgrim. Now we go to my number three, which is not Scott Pilgrim. Dang it. <laughs> um, uh, so, going again uh, back to PS One, uh, this might be a choice that you know, if this this episode ever takes off, some of you are going to be like, oh, maybe. Um, <laughs> Got a reaction. Oh. <laughs> um. Anyways. This is from uh, probably, I haven't really done a list of this, but probably my favorite PS1 game of all time. Probably. Probably. This is, uh, (laughs) totally. (laughs) This is uh, from Spyro 2, Ripto's Rage. And this is uh, not only the title screen, uh, but the, uh, the song for the level Glimmer. Yeah, so unlike most other nostalgia games um, that I can talk about for hours, this one is actually associated with winter, <laughs> not summer break. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so Spyro, the first three Spyro games, and I think some more after that, but I know for sure the first three Spyro games uh, were composed by uh, Stuart Copeland. Um, he is the drummer for the police. And uh, somehow he got into the, com- the composition game for video games. I don't... Don't really understand how that happened. Pretty weird, yeah. I think he was. I think he was also the composer for the show All That. Really? Yeah. He was also the composer for the Amanda Show. Um, In fact, uh, there's a song in Spiral One. I'll show you this later, Dave. uh, That he ripped directly from the Amanda Show, (laughs) or vice versa. I think he just like ripped it straight from the game into the Amanda Show. Mm. Um, He also did the score for the movie Good Burger. Um, (laughs) The classic. And like, if you know this, you can listen to some of these things. And just be all like, wow, Stuart Copeland uses the same sounds for like all of his compositions, doesn't he? And and he so does. And that interestingly gives it some charm and some, um, well, I guess just charm is like the best way to put it. Personality. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Um, so Spiral One is a, is a good soundtrack too. Um, there's some good memorable tunes on there. Again, he has like a very distinct sound. All of his drum sounds are the same. Which is weird considering he's a drummer. He is a drummer. Um, I think it'd be a little bit more creative. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but he also has like in in this soundtrack for Spyro 2, he has certain elements that are in like most of all of these uh, songs that sort of distinguish them from uh, from other Stuart Copeland pieces. For one thing, he's got actual like acoustic guitar in there. Um, like that's yeah. not sampled. You can tell that's not sampled. Or if it is, it's really good. Um 
He has like background organ going on the whole time through also. Um, and he has that like electronic piano sound going on too. Those are the three sounds that I associate the most uh, with, stu- and that same drum sound that all the time. <laughs> um, those are the sounds I, I associate most with Stuart Copeland and Spyro. And I just think Glimmer, you know, this level um, is a good culmination of all of that, you know? Um, th- this is probably like the one it's interesting because not a lot of his level songs are catchy they don't have a lot of like m- they don't have like a melody yeah I was just gonna say back. both this and Crash are they're not melodic yeah and this one especially this one's very chill and sort of like zen you know it just kind of at least for a lot of it, you we just listened to a portion of it, and you were saying it changes up a bit later. But it sort of repeats the same thing over and over, and it's just like a catchy groove, you know? It's a yeah. nice drum beat with sort of a sort of a groovy piano or guitar beat, you know? And it just kind of just kind of get in there, and like yeah, it's nice to run around the map with a Spyro who has a very unique movement for that kind of platformer, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's not melodic really at all, similar to Crash, but yeah. It's still very cool, very chill. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, and like I said, if if I had the time, I wouldn't. But if I had the time <laughs> to just play an excerpt of like all of the songs from Spyro Two, you would hear the same things pop up over yeah. and over again. Um, and I like that. Again, it, it gives it personality, like Dave said, and and charm, like I said. Um, uh, and like and this this one is you know midway up the list for me again because of how how much high regard I hold Spyro Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that game like so much. And like I said, for some reason, I got it like during my winter break, however old I was. And so I. Like for I'm, Christmas? Yeah. So I associate a lot with Christmas. There's another song on here uh, from a level called Hurricose. I think, Dave, you would actually like this one. Um, and I'll, I'll play it for you later. Um, that is like absolutely chill, full of chill and full of like acoustic guitar. And I remember my sister Emily was like, was like hell bent on trying to learn it on acoustic guitar. So she Aww. made me play that level a lot <laughs> so that she could like, you know, learn the song. And I was like, Hey, not a problem, sis. And so, yeah. Well, I, did well, she? She did eventually. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I associate that a lot. I think that year I also got my first electric guitar. So it was kind of conflicted as to what I wanted to do was either play guitar or play Spyro two. And That's I funny. do believe in the end Spyro two won out. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my number three. Here you go. Uh, what am I? I'm on number three now. Mm-hmm. I'm not used to. I'm still used to like last episode structure where I'm going to the next number. We've but no. only done one, Dave. Well, I'm just, I'm already used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Leave me alone. <laughs> so my next pick is also from David Wise. Uh, it's a composer we've already talked about, and I went back and forth between which song I was going to pick and which one I was going to do, but in the end. Because I like my good buddy Saul so much, <sighs> and I don't want to trigger him, I'm gonna go <laughs> not with Sticker Fresh Symphony, and no. we'll go we'll go with Forest Interlude. <sighs> So 
all the music, David Wise does such a good job of making like really like environmental music. You know what I mean? Like he really expresses exactly the emotion and the environment that he wants you to feel you're in with like every one of his songs. Yeah, that's really true. And this song is no exception. I will talk about Sticker Brush Symphony a little bit, even though that song really bothers Saul for reasons I don't really understand. I guess it's because one, he thinks it's overrated because there was a time where people like held that up as like one of the greatest video game songs of all time. And I don't even necessarily disagree. I think it's probably a little overrated. Like, I think, I mean, Saul likes to compare it to aquatic ambiance and like, that's totally fair. Like if you put a sticker brush symphony against aquatic ambiance, that's like, that's aquatic too ambiance close. Aquatic ambiance would win, yeah. Right. Too, it's too close to call. Like no, they're aquatic both ambiance so good. would win. No, they're both so good. <laughs> but I went with this one just because, I don't know, it's just so chill, and I remember these levels so vividly. That's the other thing, is Saul seems to have a difficult time separating Sticker Brush Symphony from the agony that is the Sticker Brush levels. <laughs> Except I never thought the Sticker Brush levels were that bad. Like, the barrel shooting never bothered me, but these levels, holy cow, these levels. <laughs> there was one where the ropes would, like, appear and disappear, and they were, like, spooky ghost ropes, and they'd be like, ooh. <laughs> As they disappeared And mm -hmm. that is like Permanently etched in my mind Or like another level Where there's like Wind pushing you back and forth And yeah. like you had to Time things right yeah, Or like sometimes yeah. You're pushing against them Sometimes they'd push you That was rough And then the level Where you spent the whole thing As the spider <sighs> Which I love now But at the time Dumb young Dave Didn't know how to stop <laughs> The platforms That he could create So a lot of times That web would just Fly off into the distance <laughs> Without me And I was just Left standing there Just a sad spider Just a sad sad spider uh, But oh, that's hilarious <laughs> I don't know This is one of those songs That I put on When I just want to like Not be stressed I guess And even though it is associated with those levels, like I can separate that and I can just enjoy this for what it is and just the really interesting melody. The way he, he incorporates melody into his songs is really interesting, especially in Donkey Kong Country 2, because there's a lot of melodies. They're so like spaced out in between this sort of like ambiance these sort of ambiotic sound effects that are still musical, but they're not melodic in any way. Yeah. And so it like spaces the melody out so much that you'd think it would just like sort of lose itself, sort of like I was talking about Crash and Spyro aren't very melodic, but like sometimes I had to listen to some of them again, like the lava levels, um, the music in that one. I don't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but I never really heard the melody in that one when I was a kid because it just has so much like percussion like doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo. Yeah. and it was just yeah, like yeah, yeah. you could just listen to that and be like alright this is fun this is really good even though it's repetitive somehow it's just good and then you go back and listen and you're like wow that melody is actually really good like that's actually a really interesting and like melancholic melody that doesn't make you feel like sad it's just like there and if you don't want to listen to it you don't have to it, it's really fascinating. I, the ice levels in this game, too, do a very similar thing. Um, and it wasn't until the OC Remix album for this game came out that when they, like, focused on those in their remixes, I was like, wow, that melody is great. Like, that melody is actually really good, and I never even noticed it just because of how they're composed. And it'd be easy to say, like, oh, well, they're good melodies, but they're too spaced out to appreciate. And it's like, no, that's not it. It's just, like, it doesn't force you to focus on that if you don't want to. And, like, as you're playing through the level, you can just sort of focus on the ambiance and the sort of feel of the level that you're in. And it really just sort of envelops you and encircles you in this world that you're exploring, which 
I think Donkey Kong Country 2 just does a great job of. And Donkey Kong Country 1 does as well, but they're very different environments. And mm-hmm. I think that the environments that Donkey Kong Country 1 had were a bit safer and a bit easier to express through music. I think Donkey Kong Country 2 is, like, how do you express being inside of a honeycomb? Yeah. Like, how would you, inside a hornet's nest, how do you express a haunted forest as opposed to just a normal forest? How do you express a, I don't know, I don't know lava and as opposed to, like, a jungle sounds, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's all just a little different and, I think, just better and more mature, I guess, in a way. So... Yeah, soundtrack's really good. Listen to pretty much the whole thing, but I had to choose something, so I went with this one. <laughs> Alrighty. Getting close. Yep. So, on to my number two. Uh, I don't know how much <laughs> I'm going to be able to say about this one now because we kind of already covered it. Uh, but I this, think we could talk a lot about this song. I have things to say about this song if yeah. you don't. Um, so, this is we're returning back to Jake Hoffman and to Shovel Knight in particular. Uh, this this particular one is is kind of known as people's favorites. Like I, I've I've heard people talk about this one a lot before, uh, which makes me feel a little gratified that like you know <laughs> I'm one of those as well. Uh, that always uh, bothers me. Doesn't make me feel like I'm as unique if I just pick the one everyone likes. Uh, you but, hipster. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so we got a little hipster in us. <laughs> so for my number two, no, we're not hipsters. We're contrarians. I think I'm... And I think those are a little different. I think everybody has... I do think everybody has a little bit of hipster in them. Everyone wants to feel unique. Yeah. And so how that expresses itself is different. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So <laughs> uh, so my number two pick is from Shovel Knight, and this is from the Propeller Knight stage, The Flying Machine. <laughs> on this is uh the first couple of bars or like the intro on here i think it is uh an absolute stroke of brilliance to make this sound like the song is being played to you through a fan of some kind or like through like some sort propeller of propeller sounds in yeah, the background uh-huh. yeah yeah that that to me is sheer brilliance basically using the percussion sounds to do that right mm-hmm. and, and also like chopping up like the you know the melody oh, you know like everything is just all chopped up and spattered up as if you were playing this whole thing like inside of like a helicopter propeller and listening to it on the other side or something like that mm-hmm. that to me is just brilliance um it shows that like you know Jay Coffin wasn't just like yeah, write us some songs. Like he was like <laughs> involved because this level is full of flying enemies that all have some sort of like helicopter propeller on them or whatever to get around. Obviously, the final uh, the final boss, the propeller knight, has one of those as well. And you're on a big flying ship. Like it it's it is to me just like that is ga- that is really awesome game immersion there while still using only chip tunes to do that. You know, and I'm yeah. just and I'm just gushing over the intro. I mean, like that that alone, I think, deserves like five million, you know, <laughs> five props. million internet points. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. But the tune itself is also just like catchy. This is this is I, one of the more catchier tunes in in Shovel Knight, and all the same things that I had talked about and we had talked about before, like with, with Shovel Knight are present here. Complex uh, layers of of melody and rhythm. 
um, catchy melodies. It, it, it pumps you up. It gives you with energy. Is this the one that he wrote like in front of everybody? Yeah, I think so. He, do you know that story? Incredible. Yeah, it was like I don't know exactly the story. It was like had some sort of promotion for it, like at an E3 or something. And he was just like, yeah, I'll compose a song for this, like right on stage. And so he like basically walked. I think he like walked everyone through what his like process was for like writing the song or whatever. Just like, and he did it in like half an hour, an hour or something like that. Something completely ridiculous. And so. I think as you get one of the little hidden collectibles you can get in Shovel Knight is the music pages, and you take them back to the Bard, who is <laughs> basically Jake Kaufman's in-game avatar, like his representation, and he'll be like, oh, I wrote this song, blah, 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 and he'll make some, like, vague reference to how he wrote it, but in the context of, like, medieval Shovel Knight type <laughs> thing, so I think he, like, mentions something like that mm. when you play that song on, like, the jukebox, quote-unquote. Yeah. Yeah, to me, I think the thing that wins this track over is that intro. And, and I think it comes back to midway through when it loops. Like, it's not just a one-shot thing, uh, but it does come back every time you die. Well, the song is a loop, so you get to hear it quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, and that that's, again, I, I can't speak enough about just how much, how brilliant I think that decision is. That sound design, just that choice, and, and how, how well it was achieved as well. Like, there is no question in my mind that that's what he was trying to convey. Yeah. With chip tunes, yeah, you know, it's yeah. a, it's amazing. So there's a couple things I want to talk about this song. One is that I think it's a really good point you made about how it shows how involved he was in the process. That this sounds like a propeller theme, flying theme level, because when I talked about like Shantae and the Pirates Curse's work on that, I think his music in that is fantastic and maybe on par with this. But as I was playing the game, it didn't feel like they were as well integrated in the stages. Right? Mm. They just felt like video game stage music, and it was great. Like it pumped you up, but it didn't. I mean, some of it felt integrated, but it never felt as integrated as the songs in Shovel Knight do. Um, the second thing I want to talk about is something that I think I've mentioned this to you before and you were kind of like unimpressed with it. You're like, oh yeah, that's kind of neat. But like one of my favorite things this song does is actually something that another one of my favorite like video game remix songs in general does. Uh, it's actually a remix from Xenogears, from the overworld song from Xenogears. It's called uh, Crash Restore. And I think the original song is called Emotions on the soundtrack. But And you've heard this because yeah. we've used it before. Yeah. Um, Something in music that really, there's this thing that people can do to really convey this sense of flight in music that I've noticed that when I hear this happen, I'm like, man, I feel like this just feels like flight. It feels like you're just like ascending above the clouds and like leaving other stuff behind. It's this really fascinating thing that music sort of like brings out in me. And the two songs that I've noticed do this are that one and this song. And I think what it is, is as the main voice goes really high, like probably higher than you feel like it should go, that's step one, when it goes up really high, but it keeps the, it melodic enough to where it's still really pretty and still really beautiful. I think that captures part of it. But then like, if you notice like the bottom sounds, they sort of start to fade. And like, as the top song, as the top, voice goes up the bottom voice will sort of like slowly drop out not so much that it's jarring or that it feels empty but it feels like you left something like low behind to like go even higher and that to me has like every time i listen to this song or i listen to that other song i mentioned crash restore that always gives me the sensation of flight hmm. and especially in the crash restored the way that it builds up to that it's i mean you criticize the saying it feels like kind of just does the same thing for a long time but the thing is it, it just moves very slowly and it moves up to that crescendo over like five minutes and when it hits it's just like it feels like that's what you've been building up to the whole time and like you like achieved it like you broke free kind of and i think this song does that great too it gives that feeling of like 
you're ascending and then like you hit it like you've gone above the clouds and you've like reached this point of flight that's just like almost like ecstasy it's like yes like here we are we've reached it and so that along with the propeller sound is really what takes the song to the next level for me where it's like it feels like you're in a flying stage and it feels like it hits something special and honestly if i hadn't known for a fact that you were going to pick this song i probably would have picked the song as my shovel nut trap <laughs> so there you go yeah yeah no, that's fine. I I have no problem giving it's, a shout out to Planes of Passage. So. It's a it's a it's a joint entry, I suppose. And we have sure. joint, we have joint custody over it. <laughs> okay, so my track and spoiler alert: this is gonna be on Saul's track too. This <laughs> not this song, but the soundtrack. Oh uh, boy, we're back to Undertale, baby. <laughs> Here it is. So, Toby Fox is amazing. There were so many songs on this album that i could have chosen uh, i mean i said that it was this was obviously very close to just making it on my main uh top five tracks um and i was really sad to leave spider dance off spider dance like i get that i don't know what it is like that song is great it's actually the same tune from like they do when you fight dummy and naps to blue too which is also brilliant but anyway that song's great even though it's not very long at all i think it does some really interesting things but i didn't choose that uh the song i chose and it's it is not the final credits, but it is part of the final credits, and it's called Last Goodbye. So there are like three versions of this song basically in the game, right? <laughs> yeah. What are the one of them is called Save the World, right? Yeah, uh, the other one's also Hope is Hopes and Hopes Dreams. Hopes and Dreams, that's yeah. right. So the first time you hear it, it's Hopes and Dreams. And um I guess we, well, it's, we it's, tried it's really spoiler, hard. So we're not we tried really hard not to spoil it, so we're not gonna say it, but basically there is a certain character this is associated with in a certain battle. Um, but I could have chose any one of those really. Um, Hopes and Dreams is great. It starts out with this like orchestral thing and then goes into this like super like rock thing. And then Save the World just like takes the rock thing and like cranks it up to 11. Yeah. Like, just makes it harder. It's like, yeah, yeah. And it's perfect for the point in the game it is, for the battle you're in, right? Like pretty yeah, much oh, every yeah. other boss theme in this game. And it's absolutely perfect for where it is. Um, the reason I chose this one is it just feels a little more complete. Um, I mean, you know I'm a sucker for final credits or whatever. And this one doesn't <laughs> pull in like other themes so much as it pulls in other emotions. Like the other ones are pretty much just like super rock anime, which is fantastic. Like, this is the cheesiest kind of anime music, right? And when yeah. I first heard it, I knew that. And I still loved it, yeah. right? It's like you hear it, and you're like, this is exactly how this type of music needs to be used. This is exactly where this type of music belongs. And I realized that I am, I may have never read a manga in my life, which is not true for me, but you could not have read an entire manga in your life and listened to this song, and you're like, all right, I am a weeb now, officially, <laughs> but I don't care. I still love this song. Like, that is just what this song is, right? And Toby Fox has all kinds of anime inspiration, so that doesn't surprise me that that's in here. But... 
man alive, this song just gets you pumped. Like, you are ready to save the world. And the last goodbye just does a few things. With like, I was showing it to Saul. I was like, there's this one little thing where it does with the melody where there's, like, a second high voice that goes with it um, with the electric guitar at one point that just does something a little different. And I just, I don't know, it just makes me feel something, like, makes me get to that, like, extra level of excitement. I'm like, that's just so perfect that that was in there. And this is the only one that does that, so that's half the reason. Um, the other reason is it just has a nice sense of closure. Um, mm-hmm. Just going to the piano a little bit and just making you feel something a little different. It just it just goes a few different places and has a more of a sense of, like, completeness. Um, but if you tell me that you prefer Hopes and Dreams or Save the World just because it does that pump-you-up thing for longer... I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, right? Yeah. Like, I, you could put any one of those songs here, and I'd be like, yeah, man, cool. The song is awesome. <laughs> you have nothing to say? No. <laughs> really? Not really. Did you not like the song that much? Not that I didn't like it. It's, uh, <laughs> it just doesn't really pop up on, like, my, my like, top songs for this, you know? I guess. Probably because there are, like, two other iterations of this, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I mean, you could say there's at least one other iteration of your top song. True, but, to, but... Yeah. No, you're right. It's... <laughs> I'm not criticizing. I mean, it's fine. I just find it interesting. You're just kind of like, yeah, whatever with the song. But, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. I, at this point in the game, we've already heard the meshing of the of the multiple themes that are in here, like, several times. Uh-huh. So, at this point, I was sort of like... You know, I guess since we're since we're establishing, I can't separate the the video game music from like the level or like whenever it appears in, which I don't think is a bad thing. Yeah. Um, uh, At this point, at this point, I've heard it a lot already. So not that I wasn't impressed or anything like that. It was just so like old hat. I've seen it. You know what I mean? If I had picked hopes and dreams, would you have had more to say about it because it's the first time you heard it? Mm, No, not really. Okay. Well, what the heck? Then? It wasn't really one of my favorite pieces. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. I liked the artistry behind it, obviously, with the the way, you know, like we talked about in the in the first episode of this is how how Toby masterfully combines his leitmotifs together. Yeah. And of course, this is another example of him doing that perfectly in the most impactful way, too, with the characters, you know, keeping this as vague as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as like that, that part of the soundtrack goes, I'm just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, sure. Fine then. <laughs> I'm not criticizing your choice of it. You criticize all my choices. I have not. <laughs> no, you've actually done a good job. But outside of this, <sighs> I can feel the judgment. Why? I'm not judging <laughs> you on any of this. God. Anyway, <laughs> insecure over here. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, well, speaking of old hats, now we go to my number one pick. Also from Undertale. <laughs> wow. It's uh, so original. Uh, it, it, it was no question. Now, if I didn't pick um, Death by Glamour in the first one, uh, it would be this. But since I already picked it and I want, we want to try to establish a world with where we don't uh, repeat any of our same choices. That'd be really boring. No though. matter what the list is. Yeah, that too. Also, uh, I went with my second uh, favorite pick, which is uh, the boss. Uh, the boss theme for the character Undyne. This is the song, the actual fight song, the fight theme also. This is Spear of Justice.
bonus track. So like I said, this is the boss theme uh, for the boss Undyne. And, and like Dave said, this isn't the first time we ever hear this theme or another one for that matter. Um, <laughs> in fact, it, it's done actually in a very, very similar way of this also. It's it, it's just called Nga, right, isn't it? Yeah. How, how do you pronounce that? Just Nga, 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 Nga like that, I Nga. guess. Which is just Undyne's many, many <laughs> visceral <laughs> calls, yeah. yeah. Um, so what happens uh, every once in a while, because you have several run-ins with her uh, in the game, <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to go into much detail, uh, but you have several run-ins with her, and uh, this one with Spear of Justice is the actual boss fight. Um, what I love about this, amongst many things, you know, like much of what we talked about with Toby Fox, I guess since I already mentioned this in the previous list, is how he's able to mix uh, certain things together. Um, you know, like he did on Last Goodbye, he mixed uh, several themes together. And this one, he does the same thing. He mixes themes together. But this one comes from an unexpected source. So she has her own theme. That's that's like her little motif. Yeah. And then we have the overall theme from an early, early level of the game. But she doesn't even appear in no. randomly. <laughs> it, it's just there. But it is sped up like in double time and in like a different meter too. Like in, uh, the the first one was like... A lot slower. It's the ruins theme. I'll just say it. Yeah. The, ru- the ruins theme. It's basically in three four. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, and then he kind of switches here, it to six eight. Six, eight yeah. yeah. Um, masterfully. <laughs> My goodness. I have it. What. What must be, (laughs) seriously, what must be is that, like, I'm I'm assuming he wrote this theme first and, like, found out that he can, like, use it in other ways to create different moods. I don't know. But, like, when I first discovered, because I don't think I discovered it right away. I think was more busy not getting killed by her. No, Um, neither of us, right? Did I tell you that it was the same thing first? I don't know. I don't know. We discovered it together. Neither one of us just notice it at first yeah that's for sure and then it blew my mind when that was the case <laughs> not to mention after that i discovered that he used it in another way also it's another medium right mm. it's the remix of that too of the like sort of lava area no it's close to it but it's not quite that are you sure um right. it's in like the waterfall okay it's like even slower. Ding 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 ding. Oh yeah, that is another medium. But it But it does the doom doom ding ding doom. Oh yeah, I remember that. And that's the that's one of the ending songs you can get too for like the neutral ending, I think. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it pops up everywhere. But unlike other light motifs in this game, that theme is not connected to somebody because the first time you hear it it's an overworld theme it's not like because a certain character popped up or anything so to hear it you know lumped in with with undyne's theme is is jarring in a good way it's it's a nice surprise you know yeah not to mention the whole thing is a flamenco theme i have never ever heard a chip tune done in a flamenco style and i never would have expected that the ruins theme could have been done in a flamenco style like you hear it you just sort of like it absolutely sounds like it was like a traditional flamenco or something like that. It was like meant to be played on like a traditional Spanish guitar or something <laughs> like that, you know? And it is kind of weird that it's associated with Undyne, who, from what I can tell, is not Spanish. It's not, in fact, Spanish. <laughs> Some sort of Spanish conquistador. Confishador. She's, in fact, a fish. Uh. Um, it's... Uh, 
it blows my mind whenever I hear it. And on Toby's Tumblr, like a like a couple of years ago, oh, yeah, that was interesting. He posted a couple of like uh, demos and like unfinished tracks that he like was thinking about using for Undertale, and he posted one that was like a demo for for this theme, and it's just. How matter of fact he says it. He's just sort of like, yeah, I thought this was pretty good. Uh, I didn't think it was heroic enough, so I had to change it and yada yada. Like he just says it like that. It needs to be more heroic. And so what came up with Spirit Justice? Like you, ugh. yeah. Undyne is a very heroic. She's a great character. Mm-hmm. She's so much fun. She's awesome. Very mm-hmm. heroic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, Spirit Justice gets me gets me right there all the time. Gets me pumped up. I even use it as a as an orchestration project uh, for uh, one of my grad school classes. I like orchestrated it for like full on orchestra. I was very very proud of that. Of course, my yeah. teacher had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> All the better. Or what this was, and you know what? Not even the rest of my class either. Aww. Nobody had played Undertale, even heard of it. Aww. So uh, it was just my this is my little secret. There my, you go. My little. Very better gem. that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This song, I actually prefer the first version of this song, the Nga. Um, not because it's deeper or anything, but I just think it, I think the key is a little bit better actually, um, for the song, but, um, this song's interesting cause it was one of my favorites when I played through the game and that moment where it first hits, cause it kind of comes out of nowhere, which is fantastic mm-hmm. the way that it pops up. Those are my favorite moments in game, but like, it's interesting because I feel the reason that you love this song is very indicative of your style of loving video game music. And the reason I don't like it is the same because like. While I will always connect it to that moment, I will say that moment is great, but the song itself is a little... I want to be careful here because I don't want Saul to choke me out, but it doesn't have quite the same depth as some of the other songs in the game to me. Um, it hasn't had the hasn't quite had the lasting power in my mind. So that's not to say it's bad. It's just interesting how the song has really kept its... Um, freshness for Saul because of how good the moment was whereas for me well I don't think I experienced the moment any less it's still one of my favorite moments in the game period um the song when it sort of stands on its own doesn't stand as tall for me I just think it's interesting that's all I just think you're wrong so well I know you do that's okay (laughs) to be to be to be fair also I don't usually think of the moment when I hear that song I I just see Undyne and her split gap tooth (laughs) And just like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just. You're um, still like attaching it to something that is outside of the music. And uh, I'm not saying that's wrong. No, I, but, I, but I, it's, I know. It's but it's not strictly on the basis of the song. I don't know if that's true for this song. Okay. I mean, that's, if for, you just straight other, up disagree. I mean. For the other yeah. ones, absolutely. Like, I, 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 it's actually something you've like revealed to me. And it's, and it's weird that um, we're doing these video game episodes with uh, these video game music episodes where our tastes are pretty defined by that, actually. Yeah. I didn't really realize that until you brought that up. It's kind of interesting. But with this one, this one's different because Undertale is the first soundtrack in years that I have listened to constantly uh, mm-hmm. without, without having the game like in front of me. Um, before then it was probably Final Fantasy X or Legaia 2 probably but Undertale is the first soundtrack in maybe decades where I've actually done that so in this case I don't really think so and the ones that we've mentioned so far in this list I think you're you're right on the money you know okay yeah so I just I'm not trying to criticize I'm just bringing it up I just think it's interesting (laughs) because it is it is weird to me because this was one of my favorite songs for a while and then after a while it just kind of wasn't anymore like I never sought this one out to listen to it and it, it was Interesting. It was almost made me a little sad, but I just didn't enjoy as much anymore. But I, <laughs> it's just something I comment on. So anyway, 
So I guess it's my turn for number one, right? Mm-hmm. So my now for something completely different, basically. <laughs> uh, so we've done a lot of like chip tunes. We've actually done a lot of chip tunes. Yeah, on I wasn't this expecting one, that. Which is really interesting. I mean, I guess the Western audience really sort of fell in love with that. Like they still just sort of associate that with video games. But um, this is something completely different. Full orchestration, and for a game that is very, I don't know, Saul. This song isn't for Saul. This is one that he'll be able to say a whole lot about, but... Sorry, if we can say something? No, it's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're making it seem like I hate this song. It is another one where... I, there were a lot of songs... The reason I brought up, like, oh, Saul criticizing... Is, like, for pretty much most of the songs I chose for this, Saul's, like, on our top five, Saul was like, yeah, that's a good one, that's a great one. For this one, his reaction was a lot of, like, oh, really? Oh, okay, I guess. And so it was kind of like, oh... I don't know if he likes it or not. I feel kind of weird, but um, in any case, uh, this song is from World of Warcraft, specifically from the second expansion, Wrath of the Lich King, and uh, it's called, it's from the area, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to remember the area after this, but the name of the song is called uh, Totems of the Grizzlemaw. So when I was in college, I spent a lot of time in World of Warcraft. Like, <laughs> I was one of those people. And you know what? I don't really regret it. Um, <laughs> that game definitely had a certain magic to it that there's a reason why it was and still kind of is the king of MMOs. Um, it just did such a good job of, like, crafting this world for you to, like, experience and be part of. And... I really got into it during the third expansion, or the second expansion, uh, Wrath of the Lich King, um, which was um, pretty much because, like, all of my friends were playing it as well. Uh, my brother got into it. Jeremy got into it. Like, I had... Uh, we had people on our hall in college who got into it, but, like, this was, like, a big deal. We played a little bit of, like, Burning Crusade, which came before it, but we never, like, got into raiding because we got into it pretty late, but this one was, like, when it dropped, like, we went to, like, the midnight release in Orange County, which is where, <laughs> like, Blizzard was located, and, like, we got the signatures of the people and stuff. Like, it was... Oh, really? Big, yeah. I didn't know you made a big thing out of it like this. Yeah, it was fun. Do you remember Doug? Yeah. Yeah, he was there, too, and Vincent. Um, they all went, and it was it was a blast, man. Um... <laughs> So it was just like really, you know. I will admit, like, like that time that we went to the Pokemon release, like, yeah. I, I, I'm a little apprehensive about that, but I mean, I had fun. Yeah, it's really cool just being around other people who love the same stuff you do, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. that's it's just a blast, and so. Like, I just spent a lot of time in this game just, like, leveling. And one of my favorite parts was that 
Wrath of the Lich King fixed a big problem in Burning Crusade, which was that questing was fun now. <laughs> it was like, it wasn't just about grinding to get to that top level to do like the end game content. Like getting there was actually fun. There were storylines in the quest that were actually worth following and kind of neat and interesting. And one of the zones, it was actually one of the smaller zones, was Grizzly Hills. And the zone in this expansion was Northrend. And it was basically like Antarctica. Like it was the frozen area, right? So a lot of it was all icy and cold and very frozen. But like the... <clears throat> The east side of the continent had a lot of, like, the sort of coniferous forest, right? Like, all the evergreens, like, the kind of stuff you'd see in, like, Canada or, like, the northern United States, you know? Mm. And it was just really beautifully done. Um, it really was one of those things where you could just go to that area and just sit there and enjoy the scenery. And that sounds ridiculous, right? It's like, oh, why don't you just go outside? Because I live in freaking Southern California in like the middle of a suburb of 300,000 people, okay? Like you don't get that natural scenery just like going outside or whatever, right? Not to mention I didn't have a driver's license, so it's not like I could just <laughs> drive off and go see, you know? Th this is what not, I had. Not to, not to mention there's not any scenery to speak of in Riverside. Or no, anything. I mean, they'd be like, oh, well, just drive up north the San Bernardino Mountains or like Lake Arrowhead, which like you're not wrong, but that's not a drive that's relaxed. Have you ever driven up to Lake Arrowhead? I have. It is not a relaxing no, drive in whoa. any way. <laughs> like overlooking like this sheer cliff and you're just like, please don't die, please don't die. I've driven that in like the pitch black and like in Ooh. fog that you can't see, but Ooh. like two feet in front of your face. It's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. But anyway, that's not the under there. But... <clears throat> This was just one of those places where sometimes I'd just be playing the game and I was just like, I just want to go to Grizzly Hills. I just want to go to Grizzly Hills and enjoy this music and enjoy this scenery. And it was fantastic. They did such a good job of like incorporating like running water sounds mm -hmm. if you were like near a river or like whatever was going on. And you could just go there and just be like, yeah, like I can breathe here. And you didn't have to do anything. You were just like, I'm just going to go there and I'm just going to be. And you could. And it was so good. The, the interesting thing about this music is this is basically two of the themes that will play when you're in Grizzly Hills. Um, there's a few more that will play, and it makes it kind of sad because they're not really on the soundtrack at all. They're just, like, in the game, and you can't get them anywhere that I'm aware of. But these two are a great representation of it. And because it is basically two themes, like, you can hear the clear delineation, right, where, like, yeah. there's one and then the other. Yeah. Um, and the second half is really cool. There were two themes on this that... I just remember, like, among my friends, they just all loved it. There was one guy in particular, Ryan, who didn't play World of Warcraft, but he was he was a nerdo, and he was a music guy. Like, he actually majored in uh, music composition now, so he's working in that. But he loved this song and another one, uh, the theme from Dalaran. And what the, these two songs had in common were they used these really unique instruments that you would not hear in other places. And the one in this song is called the Nickel Harpa, and you'll hear it in the uh, second portion where it basically sounds like when Solfarsher is like, yeah, it's a fiddle, like whatever, it's not a big deal. And I was like, no, it's not a fiddle. It's a nickel harp. Yeah, he was so offended. No, no, it was just really interesting. This nice little fiddle, and you're like, no, it's a nickel harp, idiot. Well, you were like, I just don't care why you'd pick the song. It's just like a fiddle tune or whatever. I did not say it that way. That was the like connotation. I did not say it that way. You're just you're just criminalizing me at this point. But it's anyway. The point is that. It is a very fiddle-like it. Like, it is a stringed instrument that you put up there and you use with the bow, right? But it, the if you listen to it, you can hear these, like, little clicks, right? And you're like, what is that? And I personally 
I personally like it when I'm listening to like an acoustic guitar and you get a little bit of that like squeaking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like some people, I'm sure some people, oh, that's not good. But I like it because it adds, I don't know, it feels very genuine and real. And it's kind of the same thing where you do this clicking because the nickel harper, you don't put your fingers directly on the strings like you would in a violin. There's like buttons, basically. There's like triggers. And so that clicking you hear is from that. And it just adds this like ambiance of like you're there and just this very unique feeling. And it uses a lot more, um, there's a lot more strings on it, so it's easier to do, like, a chord as you're playing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they use that a lot, and it's just a very unique instrument, um, very, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say Celtic, but kind of, right? It it's is. It's got a little bit is. of that feel. Yeah. It's actually, what is it, what did you say it was, a Swedish instrument? Yeah, the nickel harpa is a Swedish instrument. Yeah, which is kind of very appropriate for this area, right? Like, that's the sort of very cold but still very green and, like, alive area that Grizzly Hills is trying to be. So, you know, and, you know, World of Warcraft is going to have a lot of, like, oh, we're fighting the Lich King who's literally leading an undead army through the frozen waste. And if you wanted to go out there and deal with all these undead horrors, like, you could. Or you could just go chill in Grizzly Hills. Chill with the Grizzlemaw, these bear people. Like, hey, man, how you doing? Like, oh, I'm doing all right. After you <laughs> fix their tree or whatever they want you to do. And it's like, hey, cool. I'm just going to chill over here. You're like, okay. And that's what I do. And you just, I just spent a lot of really good time in that game. Playing with my brother and, like, Keone and Jeremy and <clears throat> everybody else. So it's just good memories. And it's just a very different style from everything else we've talked about. It's, like, full orchestration, like, very top of the line, like, really good orchestration and i don't know it communicates it's feeling very well and really good melodies and yeah man i could just sit and listen to that at any time this almost made it onto my top five almost <laughs> just because of how much i love it so <clears throat> well then <laughs> yep. I, I wish i could elaborate more on there but i've i've not played a single minute of world of warcraft yeah i mean it's just a great I think it's a well-constructed song. song. I think, yeah, I think you're right. The atmosphere is perfect. And, you know, when you listen to it, you can tell that, like, you know, do you know the, the name of the composer? It was actually done by three guys. Um, and I don't, I have no idea which one of them, like, did most of this off uh-huh. the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember. I think it's, like, Glenn Stafford or Duke or something like that. I, I really don't remember. I've looked at it quite a bit, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Is it three Glenn of Miller? Them. Is it Glenn Miller? It's not Glenn Miller. No. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) Um, But, like, you know, you can tell that, like, the thought was put in to, like, be this atmospheric sort of sound. And, you know, you don't don't insert an instrument like a nickel harpa unless you really know your, like, (laughs) your ethnomusicology. Yeah, that's kind of true, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, you probably could have had a fiddler and, like, it would have maybe had sounded the same. Like, it would have sounded mo- for, the, for the most part, you know? Yeah. But, like, but no, they, they insisted on a nickel harpa, you know? And that, that shows a lot of uh, artistic intent, you know? Yeah. And that, that's something that's, that's I, I can totally respect, you know? For sure, yeah. Um, yeah, and, it, and it's a nice tune, too. The, whoever is playing that nickel harpa is going to town on yeah. it, too. Um, <laughs> they sound like they're having fun. I don't know. Maybe it's because you can hear the, like, clicks and how fast they're moving their fingers and stuff. Mm. But it, it does sort of help to, like, convey that. Yeah. They're, they're going to town. They're having a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, it's more it's more authentic in that way. You yeah. Know I mean, this is, a, this is an instrument that might have been played in the cold of the Alps. You know what I mean? In, yeah. In a yeah. similar environment as such. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've mad, mad respect. Stop criminalizing me on the Sorry. choice of this. <laughs> I was just a little hurt, man. It felt like you didn't. You're low key critical of my choices. I'm sorry. It's in you're our a little uh, defensive. It's in our first uh, 
our first uh, video game mix CD that we made together. I know, but it was one of those where you're like, really? You want to put this one in? Well, I'd never okay. heard of it. Oh, well. yeah. You know. Know. That mix CD was more mine, for sure. But That's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so that's that That about does it for our our list of top six from Western composers. Yep. Uh, this list, for me at least, was, was harder to curate than the other ones. Um, you it know, was easier for me because I felt like I had just enough to fill it out. You know, mm. I had I had the ones that I really wanted to include, and when I put them all together, it was like, oh, that's just enough. Um, yeah, there were like a few near misses, but they were mostly from the same composers. Um, the one exception was I really wanted to put something in from Sonic Three because I'm very much convinced that a lot of that was done by Michael Jackson. I believe <laughs> those rumors. And even if it wasn't, there's like other people, like Western people who like had worked with Michael Jackson who worked on that soundtrack. It's just kind of there were also Japanese composers who worked on it and stuff like that. But that soundtrack is fantastic. What's so. the one that's um that is not from Sonic 3. Is that Sonic 2? That is from Sonic 2. That's right. That is, I think that's... It's not Hydra City, but it is the water level mm. of that game. <laughs> that's a that's a good one, and I'm not I'm not one to like anything Sonic. For I think the music in matter. Sonic is fantastic. Mm. Uh, I don't even like Sonic One or Two that much. Sonic Three and Knuckles is great. Sonic Mania is fan freaking tastic. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, the music in those games is great. So mm -hmm. there you go. Alrighty, so that wraps up our our top six for Western composers. I never really heard anybody uh, try to make a list like this. And, oh, yeah. Well, nobody will hear this either, so <laughs> it'll still remain in. Maybe a couple of, well, I mean, uh, a couple of you, or one of you specifically asked if we would do something like this for movies, and we said, probably not yet. So you're listening, so maybe you have some favorite, uh, <laughs> and Jeremy. It's just one of those weird things where you're like, you're probably not going to know if it's a Western composer unless you actually do the research, you know? Which I had to, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, for the most part, I had to. I, I, I the, the picks that I had, I knew they were Western, but when I was like, oh, was this done by what? No, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, this one. This one couldn't have been done. No. <laughs> really? Like yeah. what? Um, well, I had to double check on Legend of Dragoon. Um, just because, why. like, well, because so Japanese. I would have expected the music to be a little bit better. <laughs> wow, <laughs> a Japanese composer. Zing. <laughs> uh, I don't know, just just other ones, and and I had a couple other ones that I wanted to use, but felt a little bit like cheating. Like, is it if we were gonna put like a song from Civ Six in here? Oh yeah, you know, that, we talked that, about that. There's it, some great songs <clears throat> in Civ Six. Yeah, but that that might have been not quite the specific one he is referring to. I'll just tell you is a. Uh, it's an arrangement of an American. I don't know what you. Not, it's not a hymn. It's a folk song. Folk song, yeah. Right. Uh, it's called uh, "Hard Times Come Again No More," um, and they do like they actually do multiple arrangements of it because the way the music in that game works is they took like a traditional song from each of the cultures in the game, and they do four plus um, arrangements of it. One for like Stone Age uses like really old time instruments, and then Medieval Age, which you know is a bit more, but it's still pretty thin, um, and then like. Uh, modern and then like postmodern i forget what they act i think it's called like the atomic era oh. um and so it's a bit more techno and a bit more has a little bit of that feel to it but yeah yeah but the arrangement of uh the american song in that of hard times coming into more is really good mm -hmm. it's a really good treatment of that song but like you said it felt a little bit like cheating to take a you know a traditional american folk song that's been around for hundreds of years and be <laughs> like what a great video game song. <laughs> even if it is a great arrangement made for a video game game it feels a little bit like cheating yeah so 
Anyway. So that does it for this list. Uh, hopefully coming soon, we'll be coming at you our top Nobuo Uematsu songs. That one is going to be hard to curate on the I, sides. I'm kind of the one putting that one off because I have barely even... I, I have like overwhelming. a I have like a big like handful of songs that could be, but being able to to put them in a tiered list is gonna be hard. Yeah. Um also since I can't use the one that I chose for my top list too. Yeah. Um and uh same with you. You had one in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh also we have one that's coming up hopefully soon that I can't wait to do. Uh the top that's our top obscure. VGMs. Oh, I am nowhere on that. Oh, I literally goodness. gave him a look like, what are you talking about? And then I remembered and I was like, I'm so screwed. I already have the five that I'm going to talk about in my list. I don't know why I'm so excited about this. Maybe because Dave keeps giving me a lot of crap for doing Muppet Monster Adventure. So you know what? How about a whole he has list a of that? a lot of weird How songs. about a whole list of As that, As if David? Silver Surfer and Muppet Monster weren't enough. Man, we were talking about being a hipster before, man. Like this is this is the ultimate. I'm not one. a real hipster. <laughs> I'm just I'm a fraud. I'm a fraud. Leave me alone. Yes. Give me the trophy. The trophy is mine. Oh, you can keep it. <laughs> so I can't wait to do that one. The day you see that title card wait. pop up will be a day of rejoicing, Jeremy. You're oh, the only one listening. <laughs> So, um, all right. Thanks for holding on. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as uh, we enjoyed it. We always love to enjoy talking about VGM and discussing it. So, uh, again, hopefully by now, our other VGM is playing of uh, good old Where the Wild Things Are by uh, Rob KTA, an expert novice. And OZ Remix. And OZ Remix. Our uh, special thanks, of course, still to uh, Danny Barry Huvert for the amazing artwork. And we'll see you on the next one. Take care. (laughs) 